morning, buenos dias, saludos a todos. Robert Carrillo here from Los Angeles International Church Christ. And I send you the great New York City Church Christ. Saludos, greetings, hugs, kisses. Man, it's great to be with you this morning. Great to be able to drop into your living rooms and, and spend a little bit of time with you and take communion together. Uh, Michelle and I so dearly love the New York City Church of Christ. We remember our nine years there with the greatest affection and, and we had such a blast being there. Greetings to our many, many, many friends, the Powells, the Markowskis, the Wrights, and I could just go on and on and on and the Royals and so many of you that I, that we love and, and, and just remember so well. And, and of course I get to see Kennard a lot because we're on the teachers committee together. But uh just miss you guys, and I'm so looking forward to spending this time together, and really, I feel so honored and to be able to talk about such an incredibly important topic as we're going to address today. So uh, this is uh, Sermunion, so we're going to jump right on in. Uh, I bring you just a reminder, this is what we looked like when we lived in, when we, in Jersey, and we're part of the New York City Church of Christ. 1996, this was the Creos. I give you greetings from our family today. Uh, the, this is the Creos in 2000 and, well, 2019, last Christmas. But, uh, wow, so a lot of years have gone by and a lot of miles. So the topic today is God and justice. And wow, what an incredibly important topic. Uh, what an incredibly important time to talk about this and to really look at what God has to say. So let's let's go ahead and jump into a prayer here as we uh, before we open up our 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 Bibles or turn them on and, and get into the scriptures. Let's pray. Father God, please uh, bless our time together. Bless our study uh, as we open up our Bibles. Help us to open up our minds, to open up our hearts, to open up our souls, to be transformed, to be inspired, to be convicted, to be moved in any way that your Holy Spirit. Uh, wants to do so. Father, we know that reading your word will, uh, Father, just will change us if we allow it. And we pray that we'll have the humility to grow and learn and be all that you are calling us to be. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for reaching out to us and for speaking to us and for guiding us along. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, justice, it's a huge topic. It's incredibly important. Um, it's, it's important to everybody, really, whether somebody's religious or not. I mean, it's just an important topic to everybody. We all want fairness. We want things to be fair. We want righteousness. We want things to be right. We want equity. We all want a fair shot at, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and we don't like, uh, when things are not fair, when they're not, you know, uh, right. And when, when things aren't set up right. And two, of course, these are two key words in the Bible, mishpat and sadiqah, which are the words for, for oftentimes translated as justice and as righteousness. Oftentimes they go together. Things being fair or unfair is huge to us. It's, you know, it's, it's huge to God and we are made in God's image. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of in our DNA. It's, it's in our pre-installed software that if something is not fair, we get mad. If something is unfair, and you can see it, you know, in any setting, probably one of the first things that a little kid learns to say in anger is, that's not fair. You know, that bothers us when something isn't right. 
of course, I, I remember reading a paper that Steve wrote, and he talked about a sports game when a bad judgment call was made by the ref, and the, the, the crowds were going crazy because it wasn't right. And, the, and for a team to win on a bad call, it just outrages people because we have it intrinsically inside us that we want things to be fair. We expect them to be fair. We expect them to be right. And that's us. So everybody's probably said it at least once or multiple times in our lives. That's not fair. You know, when, when something just isn't fair to us or that's not right. And, and you know, even saying, you can't say that's not right. You have to say that's not right. You know, because it's how it rolls out, right? Because it comes from somewhere deep inside. Because we are made in God's image and we expect things to be right. We expect them to be fair. And that is how we're made because that is God. Our world right now is going through a lot. And you know this, of course. We know that the whole creation has been groaning and is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And, you know, I don't even pretend to understand all that that scripture means. But I know that the world is feeling it. And all you got to do is put on your, the news and you see that people are fed up. They're fed up with things being unfair. They're fed up with injustice. You know, the black community is fed up with hundreds of years of injustice and abuse. And they're marching and they're out there and they're angry and, they're, and, they're, and it's time to change. And people are feeling it all over. And there's a hurt that has welled up from years and years of experiencing this. And, and it's affecting our entire nations. It's like our nation has, has frozen because we have to deal with this. We have to make some changes. And, and it's affecting everybody, not just the black community, all people of all color that, that have a sensitivity to what's happening to my neighbor are outraged and are marching and are, and are speaking out. And then the hurt behind all the, the things that are going on where people are shooting people and, and, and what was once safe and sacred is no longer so. People get shot in churches praying. They get, kids get shot in schools, attending school. And it's just our world is crazy out there. And then there's all this fear that's out there. And people marching and protesting because they're afraid that the government's going to be unfair. Or their state government or their local government. And all these different opinions. And there's so much frustration out there. And it's all tied into justice and fairness. And it's not just around, it's not just in our country. I mean, it's global all around the world. You see it now. There are thousands of people marching. I remember when, if I, you know, if, if I looked at a documentary about the 1960s, they'd show you all these people marching for civil rights and because they wanted things to get fair and right. And, and, and that was, but you'd look back to the 1960s. Now you could, all you gotta do is put the news on and you'll see it here in the United States. You'll see it around the world. I mean, even the Amish are out there. I mean, that's the degree of how this has affected everybody. I saw this, I thought, whoa, the Amish are protesting. That, that means everybody's upset. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unlimited. It's out there. The question that I get asked, and I think the question that many times maybe we don't ask, but we wonder, does God care about what's happening? What is God's view of all this? What does he think about it? Is justice really important to God? That people are treated right? That, that laws are fair? That nobody is being abused or singled out 
because of the color of their skin or their poorness, their poverty, or because of any reason that they're being judged or condemned for or separated. So we look at the scriptures, of course, and there's loads of scriptures about this. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. Okay, there it is right there. God loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. They all go together, by the way. You will always see righteousness, justice, and mercy, and kindness, and love, and faithfulness, and humility. They go together. You cannot separate them out. Your righteousness is like the highest mountain. Your justice like the great deep. You, O oh Lord, preserve both people and animals. I mean, even, even people, he says even animals that were fair. I know Michelle loves this one, and she's, she's always quoting this one scripture. It says, a righteous man cares for even his animals. You know, that, that of just being the kind of person that does what's right, not, not, I mean, with anybody, so obviously with people. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you in righteousness and justice. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. I mean, we love that, you know, that, that. It, 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 all, all these scriptures just show you so much of what God does think. You know, thus the, says the Lord. I love this one because that's one of those classic lines. Thus saith the Lord, right? That means that this is right out of God's mouth. And you can count on this. Thus saith the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien the fatherless, the widow, nor shed innocent blood in his place, in this place. God is always caring about everybody. In Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth and judge righteousness, righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You know, God always, he's always aware of everybody. Not only the people in the center of society, but the people out on the fringe of society that are voiceless, that have no voice to speak up, whether it's a political voice or, or, or a social voice or an economic voice or, or whatever. But some reason they're silenced and they're not able to speak up for themselves. Children, you know, poor people, different, different backgrounds. And obviously there are communities that have been marginalized for centuries. And this is so incredibly important. Isaiah chapter 10, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and without, withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning? And when disaster comes from afar, to whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches, your riches? I mean, this is a, this scripture is pretty much a threat. You know, God saying, you, you better treat people right. You better be just and you better be fair because who are you going to turn to someday when you're in need? And, and so obviously God has much to say about this. There's the classic, classic scripture. Um, I think one of the most foundational scriptures in the Bible is, is Micah 6 8. And I'm sure you've heard this. If you heard my sermons, you've heard me quote this one a lot. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. He's shown it to us. And what does the Lord require of you? I mean, we want to know, you know, that's the million dollar question. What does God want? What does he expect? Well, here it is right here. Here's what the Lord requires of us. To act justly. 
to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The first thing, act justly. And the injustice, again, as I said earlier, it's never alone. Because justice is getting things right. But it's also with love and mercy and humility. One of the most important scriptures, I think, about what is God looking for in us. What does God want to see in us? What about Jesus? What did he have to say? Guess what? He quoted that scripture. He says in Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You know this whole chapter, the seven woes. He's woe, woe, woe. He's, he's laying them out because of their bad religion, their bad theology, their bad teachings, and their bad understanding of God. And what is he, what scripture does he pull out? Micah 6 8. He says, What do you teach the law of Pharisees, you hypocrites? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, you blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. And obviously, he's pointing out, guys, You know, there are many things to being a godly person. There are many things to the Christian life. And and, and there are many details involved in this. But never forget what's most important. And what does he say? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's what's important to God. I don't think we talk enough about this. Jesus, justice, he talked about in the teachings. Matthew 5, he talked about an eye for an eye. Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. And with every one of these, he's addressing an issue, whether it's vengeance or justice or, or equality or poverty. Uh, Luke 14, the parable of the great pa- banquet, socially marginalized. Luke 18, the parable of the widow and who demanded justice from God. There's a parable about it. But he also gives a lot of examples in his life where, where he's talking about these issues. The woman at the well, that, that, that's addressing race and gender prejudice. The woman caught in adultery, gender prejudice. The tax collector and the prostitutes, social prejudice. The Canaanite woman, ethnic racism. The Good Samaritan, ethnic racism. Italian soldiers, faith. You know, he's dealing with xenophobia and racism. I mean, people hated the, the Romans. And here he is lifting them up as the one with great faith. I mean, you, Jesus did it a lot. He would use, he would make heroes the people that society didn't want to talk about and didn't want to deal with. Samaritans and Romans and tax collectors and prostitutes. He loved to hold them up. I think one of the most important scriptures that shows us God's heart. In John 11:35, shortest scripture in the whole English Bible, Jesus wept. And what is so significant about that is what it shows us about Jesus' heart, about God's heart. He walks in and he sees Mary and Martha. And they're pleading with him, why didn't you come sooner? Their brother died. Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knows that he's going to be sitting at a table with Lazarus a few minutes. And yet he cries. Why? It says he saw them weeping. What does that tell you about him? He shares our pain. He shares 
our hurts. He feels what we feel. I'll never forget the day that my brother called me. I answered the phone. He said, he said, Rob, mom and dad are dead. And I remember I got off the phone and I went in the backyard and I just sat down and I just started weeping. And I'll never forget, I still remember it so clearly. I felt so much God's presence. I honestly felt like somebody was hugging me. And I felt God hurting with me. I felt like God hurt even more than I did. My mom had, commi- had shot my father and then shot herself. And that was not God's plan for them. That was not the vision He had for their lives. He had plans to give them hope in a future. And Satan had had a victory in their lives and destroyed them. And it hurt so bad. I sat there and I remember just crying and it, it hurt so bad. It, you, know, you know when it, something hurts so deep, it hurts to breathe. And you, it, just, it hurts to live. It hurts to just be there. And I felt God weeping with me. That's the God that we pray to. That's what Jesus showed us when he wept with Mary and Martha. His heart he hurts with us. That's where this, these, this, these teachings and this reaching out and the stance for justice comes from. You think about it with your children. If somebody treats your kid wrong, you know, we, all, a lot of us, we've seen our kids in sports and they get called on a, they get, they get a yellow card or fouled or something and we get all worked up because we don't want to see our kids wronged. How much more when our kids get sick or when they suffer needlessly because somebody beat them up or because somebody did something to them. It's the most painful thing as a parent. This is the heart of Jesus, the heart of God. It's why he wants things to be right and fair. He wants them to be treated right. Probably one of the most radical scriptures in the Bible. In Hebrews 2.10 he says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Jesus was made perfect through what he suffered. He suffered many things. But what did he suffer? He suffered injustice. He suffered wrong. You see, Jesus knew how painful injustice is. How painful it is to be wronged. He went through it for us. It's what made him relate to us, to call us brother and sister. You know why he's so passionate about justice? Because he died because of injustice. Injustice cost him his life. And made us right. He suffered it to help us be right with God. To help us do what's right. Let's take a minute and pray and prepare our hearts to take communion.
Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for being a God of justice, a God who cares about us so deeply, a God who wants our lives to be great, a God who cares about everybody on this planet, every color, every race, every ethnicity, every language, even every religion, because we are all in one way or another all your children, and you love us, God. Help us, Father, please, to care about each other that deeply, to speak up for each other, to stand by each other, to weep for each other, and to carry each other's burdens. We love you, God. We thank you that Jesus was so committed to all of us that he was willing to suffer injustice, to suffer needlessly, to be wronged, so that we could be right with you. Thank you for the bread, and thank you for the wine that represents his blood, and the bread that represents his body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.